Reassurance about stent thrombosis with drug-eluting stents has been given here in Orlando, Florida at the 2009 annual meeting of the American College of Cardiology. The Horizons AMI trial compared bare metal to drug-eluting stents in 3,000 patients. George Dangus from Columbia University in New York presented his new data and gave clear guidelines about antiplatelet strategies. I asked him first to remind me why stent thrombosis, and in particular late stent thrombosis, have been such big issues with drug-eluting stents. Well, stent thrombosis in general is an important issue because it's, uh, uh, ever since the evolution of stents, the possibility of a, introducing a metal device into a heart that may catch a clot may produce some damage. So originally, very, very uh, originally, the stent thrombosis was about 20% in the first years. And in fact, stents weren't used much at all until we figured out how to um, uh, manipulate the drugs around that uh, time of the procedure and the first month thereafter. And once this was figured out, they were used a lot. The uh, uh, issue of late stent thrombosis caught some attention when the drug looting stents uh, came about and essentially eliminated most of the other events, the restenosis, etc. So, and obviously, when you have a much more frequent event such as restenosis, maybe a less thrombosis, much less frequent event, kind of get, get buried underneath. But if the other event uh, goes away, then the secondary, even though uh, infrequent event, may surface up more. And what were the consequences of late stent thrombosis? Or what are the consequences? Uh, the consequences are usually a myocardial infarction of some sort, either a, a, a big or a small. Uh, occasionally could be also a, a sudden death or maybe asymptomatic. So it can be variable, but of course we, are, we have to prepare for the worst. Tell me about the Horizons AMI study. What were you doing and why were you doing it? We, we, we randomized patients in two uh, modes of anti, antithrombin medication, bevelirudin, monotherapy versus a combination of unfractioned heparin and 2B3 inhibitor uh, acutely in, uh, during a primary PCI, and then a sub-randomization into drug eluting versus bare metal stent during the uh, uh, angioplasty and stent in patients who are already having a major ST elevation MI. So this is like the highest risk patients that undergo angioplasty and stent. And what happened? Uh, in the, the main results, first of all, the, the, the bivalirudin arm seemed to uh, um, uh, decrease major bleeding, decrease net adverse cardiac events, and improve survival at both 30 days and one year. And between the, the stent uh, uh, arms, there seemed to be no difference except for the uh, uh, d- reduced repeat procedures uh, or restenosis related, uh, for the most part, with uh, drug eluding stents as opposed to bare metal stent. In the present analysis, we extended those uh, observations into finding no difference in stent thrombosis up to a year between bare metal and drug eluding stents, and a trend, and, and, and a trend, actually a significant increase of stent thrombosis the first day of the procedure with use of bavalirudin, uh, as opposed to heparin to B3 inhibitors. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, this um, uh, this incidence within the first day was uh, limited within the first few hours, just just five hours or less. Uh, and that led to a lot of uh, thought regarding why would this happen and could manipulations of acute pharmacology during the procedure might, might help. And therefore, in the present analysis, we analyzed a lot of factors that might be contributing to this, including the dose of clopidogrel, 600 versus 300, and the uh, 
and the uh, role of uh, uh, pre-randomization of early on, if you want, um, uh, administration of an uh, unfractionated heparin bolus, yes or no. And we found that the higher dose of clopidogrel was protective of subacute thrombosis and the uh, establishment of the fractionated heparin bolus before any other drug is given in uh, attenuated the acute stent thrombosis. When we go to late, those acute events in pharmacology didn't really seem to pan out that much. And we had uh, events such as, uh, I mean, patient characteristics such as diabetes, smoking, pre previous MI, or, you know, dominate the landscape of the predictors of late stent thrombosis. And we look forward to the analysis of the results of this study between one and two years that is going to focus on the very late stent thrombosis, which, uh, uh, you know, may bring up again the issue of drug eluting versus bare metal or uh, negated. Well, in the late thrombosis, which was a big issue, did you find the two uh, stents equivalent there? And, and what sort of medical therapy were you adding? Yes, in this analysis and up to a year, there's no difference between the, between the, the types of stents. Uh, in, in this study, everybody was getting clopidogrel plus aspirin for the duration. Uh, so I think employment of this strategy probably helped attenuate those late events. But it is emerging that you need to tailor the medical therapy with different agents for different types of, of stent thrombosis, early, subacute and, and late. Yeah, I think so. It's understandable because uh, the various drugs have different properties and different peaks of activity, and the types of uh, thrombosis are uh, probably stemming from uh, uh, different causes. In the acute pharmacology, thrombus and elimination of uh, thrombotic material has a lot to do with uh, with a recurrent thrombosis within a day or immediately. And then in the subacute uh, thrombosis, you have uh, issues of uh, uh, resistance probably becoming more dominant. And then when you go to late, you go more into patient characteristics or, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, more so than anything else, uh, according to what we found. Now, is this one size fits all or are there particular groups of patients you have to look out for and do different things for? Well, well a group of patients that, uh, that um, panned out to be as, as high risk is the insulin-treated diabetics uh, and patients with uh, prior MIs or congestive heart failure. Um, and, uh, and the smokers, I guess, for the last one, it's a, for the last group, is a very meaningful to um, insist on, on on quitting smoking. But for the others, we, we may have to specifically look for more targeted therapies. So, what are the main messages you'd like busy clinicians to take home from the Horizons MI study? I think that intense uh, uh, antiplatelet therapy up front with, uh, with a blocker of the, the theanopyridine agents is very important. And as well as I would not delay to treating the cath lab patients with AMI, I think right away giving heparin in the ER or the ambulance or whatever that first medical contact is, is very valuable. And the choice between bivalirudin and 2B3A inhibitors for the antiplatelet therapy, how does that go? In, in the cath lab, uh, the choice is clearly for bavalirudin since it does decrease the mortality as well as decreases major bleeding and net adverse cardiac events. The question is how do we best supplement bavalirudin and I think uh, supplementing it with uh, more intense oral antiplatelet agents as well as the uh, early administration of heparin right away as soon as uh, uh, the, the MI is identified in the ER are very valuable strategies. George Dangus talking to me at the ACC annual meeting here in Orlando, Florida. For the Audio Journal of Cardiovascular Medicine, I'm Peter Goodwin.